0: Support for Criminal comes from BetterHelp Online Therapy. If I had an extra hour each day, I might spend it just being still and reading. No phone anywhere in sight. Figuring out what feels good isn't always easy. Therapy can help you suss out what is most important and make the time for it. And BetterHelp can make that entire process convenient and painless. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist in no time at all. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash criminal today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash criminal. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work.
1: Impending deadline?
0: Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Ooh. Summarize with AI in a click, click,
1: click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic, right? Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Canva.
2: I was in college. It was a Friday, and it was a beautiful day. Um, I only had one class that day, Spanish, and I, I, I came back to my dorm. I'd only been gone for a short time, but there were there was something like seven or eight uh, voicemail messages on my machine it was just it was machines back then and that seemed odd right away they just seemed like too many and too short of amount of time and I hear this I play back the, the voicemails and my the first one is from my mom saying miles we have a problem I need you to call your uncle Rayford and my uncle Rayford's my dad's brother who's in West Texas and so I called my uncle Rayford and he said your dad was on his way to work this morning that I was like oh my god he's been in a car accident something, I mean, he's injured or or he's dead. And, uh, I mean, this is all in a split second. And he says, and he was taken hostage by a guerrilla group, he was kidnapped.
0: This is Miles Hargrove. He was in his sophomore year of college at Texas Christian University. Miles was born in Texas, but had spent most of his life outside of the United States, mostly in the Philippines. And then, when he was in high school, his family moved to Colombia to a city called Cali. His father, Tom Hargrove, worked for the International Center for Tropical Agriculture. Miles' parents were living in Colombia in September 1994 when he heard the news that his father had been kidnapped.
2: I really don't remember much after that. Uh, I just zeroed in on the kidnap and I just it, it was just it just knocked the wind out of me. I just literally could not I could not figure out how to react to it. it. It just was the most shocking news that I'd ever received and completely unexpected. We somehow got off the phone and I just remember putting it down and, and just like, I stormed out of the dorm room. I, I w- went sort of paced back and forth to, up and down the halls. I went into the bathroom, I went back out, I you know, and then finally went back into the dorm room and and, and, and by this point, the school sent a resident advisor over to my room and then and, and people started coming around me and, and I was able to then get a hold of my mom. And uh, she sounded scared, um, but she sounded like she was trying to be, you know, as in control as she possibly could. But she just, she was like, it's bad. I want you to come down. And so we, we just agreed that I would try and find a plane ticket down to Columbia which I had managed to do and was on a plane the next day.
0: When Miles arrived in Columbia, his mother, Susan, met him at the airport. A friend drove them home, and in the car, Susan explained everything they knew so far.
2: I just remember driving from the airport. Uh, the guy that was driving was driving a little fast, and it was the roads were wet, and a light turned red, and he had to slam on the brakes, and he slid through the intersection and uh, and then kept driving, and luckily nothing happened. But while it happened, we were in the middle of this intense conversation, and we didn't even stop. Like, uh, you know, it was the fact that this car almost had an accident. Just It just was so trivial or unimportant compared to what that discussion was that we were having right at that moment.
0: Miles' mother told him that the last time she'd seen his father was the morning of Friday, September 23rd, when he got in his car to drive to work.
2: What we heard right from the beginning was that there had been some kind of a roadblock set up. These guerrillas, they set up roadblocks. They'll pull over buses and cars and and rob people of cash and jewelry and maybe take some cars. So there were witnesses that had been in the roadblock that morning that saw uh, an American being pulled over, pulled out of the car at gunpoint and that he had been ordered to, you know, jump into the back of one of the pickup trucks that had just been stolen in that roadblock, and that they headed east out into the, uh, to the central range of the Andes Mountains.
0: His father's car was found empty at the roadblock, with his ID lying on the front
2: seat. But also there was some FARC propaganda left in his uh, driver's seat.
0: FARC is short for the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia. It was formed in 1964 as the armed wing of the country's Communist Party. FARC's stated goals included overthrowing the government, the redistribution of wealth, and equality for the rural population of Colombia. Their tactics involved guerrilla warfare, and they funded their efforts in large part by trafficking drugs, illegal gold mining, and kidnapping. So at this point, what what were your options?
2: Well, I mean, all we could do was, was wait. I mean, there was no way to contact them. And we always understood that, you know, when you're in a foreign country, you can't... I mean, the laws of the United States don't apply there. They, they don't the, the, the authorities don't have any sort of jurisdiction. So our expectations weren't incredibly high, you know, what, what our government, what the U.S. government was going to do or what they could do. And the thought of a rescue operation... Uh, Didn't really appeal to us. You know, what we learned was that the FARC guerrillas They were at a real advantage when they would take their kidnapped victims because they could bring them to these isolated areas Like in my father's case in the Andes and their other people's cases into the jungles where there would be no repercussions for them and That they would have sort of the benefit of, of time and if you send a rescue operation into an area like that that the chances of somebody surviving it would be so slim
0: Miles and his family talked with an FBI agent who was stationed in Bogota, who helped them understand kidnapping, what they could expect, and what he'd seen in other cases. They waited for the kidnappers to contact them. Miles says they were afraid they could be being watched, and so he and his mother and brother stayed inside as much as possible. They didn't hear anything for 29 days. And then Tom Hargrove's employer the International Center for Tropical Agriculture received a letter asking for $6 million.
2: And along with it was a proof-of-life video uh, taken maybe a week before the video arrived at the company. And in it is was, was a grainy video. He's wearing like a, a, ro- a poncho, you know, tr- just explaining that he's healthy and he's safe and to cooperate and that hopefully he could see us all soon.
0: The company Tom worked for made a public statement that they wouldn't negotiate with the kidnappers and they wouldn't pay the ransom. So at this point, what's basically happened is that you've realized that the government is not going to help you. The company's not going to help you. And so you as a family are going to have to negotiate with these these hostage takers all on your own
2: yeah that's that's correct. We just we didn't really think much about it. We just we just we just proceeded as quickly as we could.
0: The kidnappers contacted the Hargrove family directly. They said they'd only speak with a member of the family or a friend of Tom's. no police.
2: They said that we needed to get a, a radio and that we uh, should be speaking this next Tuesday and here's the primary frequency, and here's backup frequencies. And when this demand came, and it said we needed to get on the radio, we knew that we, none of us spoke Spanish well enough to be the ones to, and we were too emotionally sort of close to to the situation, certainly for my mom and for my brother and myself, uh, that we couldn't negotiate on the radio, so we needed to find somebody that we could trust and who spoke with kind of a local dialect and all that kind of stuff. And it doesn't really make sense to me now that all, the, all these years have passed. And, but for some reason, it made complete sense to put that um, job onto a, I think, 21-year-old college student. It was a huge ask, and I, I knew it then, but I only know it more so now. You know, Just what a, a huge thing it was to be asking of him.
3: When Miles asked me if I could help, um, it, was, uh, it was an instantaneous decision. Uh, knowing uh, Miles, knowing Susan, knowing Tom, uh, having uh, a very nice relationship w- with all of them, I wanted to be able to do my part, and I was actually happy to be able to help with whatever I could.
0: Robert Clerks was a close friend of the family. He'd gone to high school with Miles.
2: He was my best friend in high school. I met him the very first day I... Uh, went to school in Colombia, and um, he loved my dad. My dad loved him, and without hesitation, he he said he'd do it.
0: Robert was 22 years old, and studying at a nearby university, and he had no experience whatsoever negotiating with kidnappers. I'm Phoebe Judge. This is Criminal. The kidnappers provided Miles and his family with instructions to speak in code. At one point, the code name for his father was El Barco, the boat. They had code names for different amounts of money. A million dollars was La Hacienda, the estate. They were getting advice not only from the FBI agent in Bogota, but they also solicited help from consultants who specialized in helping families deal with kidnapping. For their first negotiation, the family planned to make a counter offer to the six million dollar demand.
2: even if we as a family had six million dollars, which we didn't have anything close to that, um, it would we'd be fools to offer it up uh, right, you know, right away um, because if you easily offered up something like six million dollars, they 'd be like, "Oh well, that was easy uh, great that's a great down payment and now you know, we can, now we're going to demand X amount more. And so part of what we learn about how you go into these negotiations is you, your ultimate goal is to convince them that they've sort of milked you for everything you're worth. The first
3: conversations, we will all sit uh, around the table uh, during the negotiations.
0: Robert Clerks.
3: Everybody will be quiet. We'll we have a script and basically by sign language, we will say, okay, there, stop, don't do anything else, or go forward and, or within low voice, we will say, okay, ask this, ask that. Um, especially in the beginning, it was uh, more like a learning process uh, of getting acquainted both with the person you're speaking with, and in my uh, aspect, getting used to talking through a CB radio, with someone you didn't want to talk to, in a way.
0: <laughs> so that first conversation when you said, hello, uh, through, the, through the radio, did, did someone on the other side say, who are you? Did they ask you who you were?
3: Yes, that was a scary point, actually, and, uh, w- uh, because they literally wanted to know who I was. Like, I'm a friend of the family. No, who are you? Um, uh, I don't recall exactly at this moment what I told them, but I think I ended up saying my name, look, I'm I'm Robert, I'm a friend of the family, I'm the one that uh, speaks proper Spanish to be able to talk to you and relay all the information, and um, and let's get this, uh, let's get this negotiation going.
0: Miles had a camera and kept a video diary of everything that happened. Here's his recording of the negotiation.
3: La familia tiene, en el momento, 37 haciendas, pero en pesos.
0: Robert Clerks made the offer they'd planned on, $41,000.
3: ¿Me repite, por favor? Pues que la familia ha estado haciendo todas las averiguaciones posibles sobre el caso, y para el momento tiene 37 haciendas, pero en pesos.
2: And they were not happy. They, they were just like, for that price, we won't even tell you where he's buried.
0: We'll be right back.
1: Fox Creative. This is Advertiser Content. Discover the power of NetSuite, a leading cloud financial system serving more than 37,000 businesses. Download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at NetSuite.com slash criminal. That's NetSuite.com slash criminal to get your own KPI checklist. Canva presents
2: Unexplained Appearances.
0: I imagine, you know, you're sitting there with with Tom's wife and, and with his family, his son. And so when the message comes back, for that you won't even get the body. I can imagine that must have been a hard moment for you to be sitting around his son and his, his wife and seeing their reactions.
3: Oh, yes. Uh, in uh, those type of replies from them, uh, you basically just take a deep, deep breath and... Uh, translated. I mean, uh, it's something that is going on live. There's not much time to think about it. Uh, It's just, um, and we know it's a tense situation. So it's basically just taking a deep breath and say, this is the reply.
0: How long before the the next contact?
2: Uh, It became, for the most part, twice a week. I don't remember the exact order of events, but maybe the next time we wouldn't make any offer. We'd say we tried and uh, we, we, we can't, we're trying to borrow more money and we can't go any higher than that. Um, and then they'd make more threats. And then the next time we'd be on, we'd raise it by another three or $4,000. I mean, just, but you know, and they again, just get so mad because we weren't anywhere close. Um, and it went back and forth like that for of, uh, gosh, maybe two, almost two months. And we couldn't tell people exactly what we were up to. So this German family that lived next door to us, the Grinders, they were lifesavers in, uh, in, that, in, in this scenario because uh, they supported us, but also Claudia, the, the mother and the wife, her big thing was that we should meet up most nights a week if we could together and have dinner. There was a, a common space between our houses and we would put up lights, we would bring in flowers, we wired uh, speakers down there so we could have music, and um, we, would, we would each take turns sort of preparing these sometimes simple, sometimes elaborate dinners, just really as kind of a thing to, as a, an event to sort of remind us, you know, that we were, you know, that life was still going on, it gave us something to look forward to at the end of the day, it gave us a sense of camaraderie with this group, and it was also sort of our roundtable where we would just discuss the latest points of our negotiations and what we were going to do next.
0: Did it feel like you started to have a relationship with this person on the other side of the radio?
3: Yeah, in some part of the, the whole negotiation, you start building a rapport with the person. You start getting um, getting to know him. And uh, I'm not going to say you establish a, a friendship with them, but you establish a relationship where... Uh, you agree that you have to talk to each other so it's you uh, your partners in the negotiation and uh, I have to deal with you you have to deal with me and um, let's um, let's get the negotiation moving
0: were you the only person that the the hostage takers spoke with over the radio were you the only voice they ever heard
3: Only once uh, someone else got on the radio for like a few minutes because I was um, in, (laughs) it's a funny anecdote. I was in a final exam uh, in college and in the computer room there were some issues and the exam got delayed. And uh, when the exam was starting was about uh, the same time that I had to start the uh, negotiations. And I actually had to just uh, get out the classroom and say, I'm sorry, I have to leave. Uh, the teacher will look at you very strange uh, we're going to start the final exam like I'm sorry I have to leave and uh, you cannot give any explanations Uh, It's like I have to leave it's not my fault that this is late and I have to leave and then that day um, actually Claudia she was part of Team Tom which uh, were the neighbors she got on the radio and said give us a minute he's on his way he's on his way and I arrived I parked and I got immediately on the radio
0: so you were going to school. It was like you were living this double life. You would go to class during the day and then switch your hat and and become a hostage negotiator. Yes. Did you tell anyone you were doing this, your family or other friends?
3: Initially, I didn't. I was a little worried of what my parents will say uh, because, uh, again, it's uh, something because um, uh, of security reasons, you... Um, you try to avoid certain scenarios uh, in Colombia. You t- always try to maintain a low profile to avoid risk as, as much as possible. And uh, just by being involved in uh, this type of negotiations, you are getting involved in, in a risky situations. On the radio, for example, you could see like a meter or how strong the signal was. And there was in some communications that you could tell that the person you were talking to where it could be just two or three blocks away. And after the communications, I will be getting on my car and going home and always yeah, just like looking over the mirror, like, okay, am I being followed over or not? Especially if it's a day where you hear the communication is very crisp and you can tell they're close by. And then uh, you stay for dinner, for example, and then you leave and you see a car parked uh, a block away. Then that gets you worried, okay, are they talking from this car? So then you take a long way home, make sure nobody's following you. So yes, it was, uh, at the beginning I didn't say anything, but later on, well, you just have to get it off your chest and tell them, look, I'm involved in this, and, uh, and, and, and basically I'm already doing it, so it's uh, no way back.
0: <laughs> After about two months of going back and forth on the radio with the kidnappers, Usually increasing their offer by three or four thousand dollars each time, the Hargroves and Robert had negotiated the ransom down to four million dollars.
2: And finally, they uh, were so angry with us they, they put us into what was called a silence, where they said, "Well, we'll give you a month to think about you know where you're going to get this money." And basically that's it. radio, silence and it had taken so long to even get to the negotiating point um, that when we were finally getting what felt like some momentum, it, it, it was pretty devastating to have it completely shut down. And when they call it a silence, it's, a, it's an apt name, you know. It, that's what I remember about that time period was just everything just shutting down.
0: The silence ended up lasting for three months. Finally, the kidnappers made radio contact. The Hargroves were prepared to double what they'd been offering previously. They planned to offer $199,000. And
2: what we couldn't believe was, well, first of all, when we got back on the radio, the guy's voice sounded so positive. And uh, there was almost like, a, how are things kind of back and forth, you know, exchange? Um the, And so that was kind of different. And then we made our offer. We doubled our offer. And there was a long pause. And then they they said, you know what? If you round it up to 200,000, we'll make this happen.
3: It was um, like a burden uh, getting off your back. Uh, you, it's like seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. We knew when uh, they will accept an offer that was still not the end. You still have to uh, go over all the details of how the transaction has to be done. But at least the uh, going back and forth that had been going on for a very long time regarding the amounts uh, of the ransom were over. So it's uh, like, OK, we let's uh, we finish one chapter or uh, w- one big part of the of the book and let's go to the last chapter on how we're going to finish this ordeal.
0: But now you had to come up with the money.
2: So w- we did. And it was during that sil- that period of silence that we were able to secure you know, a a decent amount more money. Nothing even remotely close uh, to what they were asking us. Um, But it's actually even something that I, to this day, can't really discuss about how we ultimately ended up doing it because it involves people that were in Colombia and that are still in Colombia. You know, it's something that I still, to this day, can't and never will discuss.
0: For their own safety?
2: For their safety, absolutely.
0: The Hargroves prepared to make their ransom payment. They packed the money into garbage bags, and then packed the bags onto wooden pallets. Then they asked for a new proof of life.
2: So there was sort of an elaborate thing where they said, go to the men's bathroom of a fast-food restaurant, you know, nearby our house, and you'll find a package. You know, get that, and so we were, we were we drove out into the darkness and went to this fast food restaurant and found this package and brought it back home and pulled it out and it's a Polaroid uh, of my dad. And this time, this was a few months later. This is, gosh, this is eight eight months into the kidnapping at this point. And um, that's that's proof of life. Scared the hell out of us because he he looked so gaunt. And his eyes didn't look as confident as the previous proof of life that I'd mentioned. And um, his finger was in a weird position, like maybe his hand was broken. And he was barefooted. uh, And he looked, you know, dirty, like he had soot all over him. And uh, it was was really alarming. You know, we knew we were in the process of getting him out. The, The mechanism was in place. But it just, it, it, it just emphasized the need, like how badly we needed to get him out, and soon.
0: The Hargroves found an old pickup truck and loaded the wooden pallets full of money into the back. They tried to make it look like a delivery truck full of building materials. They hired a professional drop man. They worried that if someone from the family delivered the money, they'd risk being kidnapped too.
2: And this guy went up into the mountains for us. And of course, you know, we couldn't, we didn't hear about what had happened for a number of hours. We were waiting sort of desperately at home, uh, but he came back, you know, not with my dad. We never expected him to be returned at that point, um, but just, you know, we just, we wanted obviously to know if he'd been able to pull it off successfully and, and, and he had. So um, all of that, all we could do at that point was, was just wait
0: and basically you you were waiting for for your your father to show up because you had done what they had asked you to do,
2: yes, we had lived up to our end of the bargain, and so the next step was for him to come home. you know we we had heard that they were usually hostages were usually released anywhere from three three days to a week or so after after a payment. and it went day three to day four. To day five, to day six, and day seven, eight, nine, ten, you know. And uh it became more and more clear that he wasn't coming home. And of course, all kinds of questions go through your mind. Like, did we pay the wrong people? Was it intercepted by another, you know, another group? Or, or did we pay for somebody who's already dead? You know, all the you know, the worst, all these. Horrible scenarios kept running through our minds of what could have possibly gone wrong.
0: We'll be right back. Support for Criminal comes from Seed Health. Seed Health's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic gives your body what it needs when it needs it. Supporting your gut health can be a pretty great starting point for supporting your overall health. That means getting plenty of prebiotics and probiotics. A symbiotic like Seed is a combination of both. Seed helps you create a healthy microbial environment in your gut. And not only will your gut feel it, but the rest of your body too. It promotes clearer skin, good cardiovascular health, and helps you maintain healthy blood cholesterol levels. I've been taking two a day, and just last week, someone told me my skin looked really great. Trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash criminal and use code 25criminal to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash criminal with code... Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, priceline. In the days after the Hargrove family delivered the ransom money, they heard nothing. And then the family received a phone call instructing them to turn on the television. There was a news story about American missionaries who'd been kidnapped, held for a year and a half, and then killed. Miles said he'll never forget that. It had been a month since his family had paid the ransom and about nine months since his father was kidnapped. Experts had advised the family that they should not call attention to the kidnapping. They were told that publicity could incentivize the kidnappers to increase the ransom and put Tom Hargrove in more danger. But Miles's mother felt like they had to do something. So she asked Miles and his brother to go on the news and try to make a plea directly to the kidnappers. Here's Miles'
3: brother. It
2: was just basically a a personal plea, uh, saying that we lived up to our end of the bargain and that they needed to live up to the end of theirs.
0: And so, for for them, they're thinking, oh, you know, the, the, what we don't want is for families to think, even quietly, that that if they pay without saying anything, it it, it won't work. What we want this business of of making money on families to continue, and now you've got someone saying, even if you pay, they're not going to give them to you.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's not good for business.
0: So what happened? Did it did it work?
2: I don't know if it was the broadcast or if it was just a coincidence, but 2 days after that broadcast, a uh, package arrived at our house again by courier. And in it was a ransom demand very much like the first one, saying, "Dear Susan Hargrove, uh The money that we received has enabled us to provide Tom with better food and better care. But if you want to see him alive again, it's up to you to pay. And it was something roughly the equivalent of, I want to say another $200,000. So you would think that that would be really upsetting. I have to say it was one of the biggest reliefs that I can remember Mm. because a, it confirmed that we had paid the right people, um, and, and you know, B, it opened up a new avenue for us to, to resolve it, finally, after this excruciating, grueling month. And um, we began that negotiation process again, and it, 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 it actually went really quickly. It, it, it took about a month um, to where we, we got to the point where we agreed you know, on, on a sum. Uh, so that was really exciting. It was all moving so quickly. I
3: probably did tell them, like, okay, but is this time for real? Uh, we want to make sure it's gonna be real and we, we won't be deceived again with, uh, with our plans.
0: Once they agreed to the second ransom, $110,000, the Hargroves received a new proof of life. But this time, they didn't get a photograph
2: it's the worst proof of life that you could have. It was a series of handwritten letters. My, fa- my father's handwriting, you know, saying that it was a certain date, but unless you have some sort of photographic evidence or something, there's, anybody can write whatever date anybody wants with a gun put to their head. It's, uh, it wasn't what we called sufficient proof of life. And we argued back with them saying, this, this isn't gonna work. We, we you know, for the same reasons that I've just stated. Um, and they came back at us and were like, we can't get through anywhere, and if you're going to be asking for another proof of life, this is going to cost you six months.
0: Around the same time, in the summer of 1995, the Colombian government was cracking down on the Cali drug cartels. The police began arresting cartel leaders. Miles remembers that there are roadblocks everywhere. He says the roadblocks made it harder for people to move in and out of the city— And Tom Hargrove's kidnappers claimed it would take months to deliver a new proof of life.
2: It was shocking to find ourselves in this kind of situation where we had to accept such a major decision based on such flimsy kind of evidence that he was alive. But we were all aware of exactly what was going on with, with the situation. And my mom actually believed them. You know, it was a strange thing. Like, these are the people that you shouldn't trust. But she actually believed that that was the situation that they were in. And again, um, after long, heated, emotional debate, uh, my mom, being the ringleader of it all, made the decision that we were going to pay that second ransom based on that bad proof of life.
0: They packed money into bags and loaded them on a truck. This time, Miles' mother asked a Catholic priest to help with the delivery. And then
2: they waited. Three days went by. Four, five, ten days went by, and we could barely speak to each other because we had sort of exhausted all the things on the checklists. And uh, I just remember we—I was in the kitchen. It was getting late. I was trying to help get something together for dinner, and I was with Robert. And I was looking in the refrigerator, and I heard this noise coming out of the foyer area. And I heard what sounded like a male's voice. And. I ran out of the kitchen, ran into the foyer, and there he was. It was my dad standing there in the darkness in this poncho with soot all over his face and this long kind of orange hair and this orange beard. His hair had normally been white, and um, you know, I it was the scariest. It, I, I I mean, I knew it was him, but it was it, it scared the hell out of me because it. it He looked so different and I had been waiting for, as we all had been waiting for that moment for so long that it was just, it was unbelievable that there he was. I I couldn't quite believe it. And I ran up to him and I grabbed him and I was like, Dad, and and he's like, what are you doing here? Why aren't you in school? And and I just remember being like, Dad, we dropped out of school the day you got kidnapped. And uh, he wanted to know where my mom was. My mom had been on the phone with his, my dad's brother, Rayford in West Texas. And Rayford, all he can hear is the, all of a sudden this screaming, the phone gets dropped. He's thinking that, that my dad's body's been dumped or the gorillas have come in to get another family member because it's so chaotic. <laughs> And my mom and dad embrace, and my my mom's just bawling at that point. <laughs> it was uh, it was the most crazy and shocking m- moment of my life. You know, uh, it was it was remarkable. He's here, Mr. Hargrove is here. Tommy's here. Tommy's here. Tommy's here.
0: It must have been amazing to see him in person.
3: Yes, 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 it was. Um, all of a sudden, you feel like, okay, everything that had been done for a year was actually successful, because be- before that, actually, all um, everybody was very down, thinking perhaps he wasn't even alive. So to see him walking, it was a relief for all of us. It was a sense of uh, success of, of a whole year of negotiations. At the same time, it was shocking to see him so skinny. Because of malnutrition, his hair was from a different color. And uh, one thing I also recall a lot, the smell. He smelled like a concentrated bonfire.
0: They learned that Tom Hargrove had been held in the eastern range of the Andes, at high altitude, in various FARC camps.
2: He hadn't had a vegetable since April and a bath since March, you know, and we later found out that the orange hair that he had, which had been white, I thought it was some bad attempt of, of a dye to try and disguise him, but it turned out to be a, a form of vitamin deficiency that it, uh, from, from lack of vegetables and, you know, good nutrition.
0: Tom Hargrove had quietly kept a diary the whole time. He wrote about trying to convince the kidnappers that they'd gotten the wrong person— He showed them his business card for the Center for Tropical Agriculture. But there was a misunderstanding. On the card, the initials for the company name in Spanish are C.I.A.T. He wrote that when they saw the letters, they assumed he was a C.I.A. officer. He kept notes about what they did each day, what food they ate, what the weather was like, and the things the kidnappers told him about what was going on.
2: He would get rumors back from his captors every once in a while about the family, and you know one of them was that that my mom had left and gone back to the states, so he just he just had no clue and he often he would always say that he had it easier than certainly my mom did uh, because he always knew he was alive and he actually had a, a simple task every day and it was just to stay alive and that that for us, we never could know, and we could never know if whatever decision we made would end up getting him killed. You know, my mom always said that, you know, if somebody in your family is kidnapped, you as a family are kidnapped too.
0: The night that Tom Hargrove came home, the family ate dinner around midnight. Robert Clerks was there with them. Miles says people thought he'd be eager to get out of Columbia, But it wasn't like that. He says it was complicated. They were sad to leave. Miles and his brother eventually resumed their lives as college students. His mother and father bought an old house in Galveston, Texas, and slowly fixed it up for the rest of their lives. Robert Clerks would go to Texas to spend time with them. When Tom Hargrove published a book about his time in captivity, he dedicated it to his family and to Robert, who he writes, "'Became the voice of my family.'" Criminal is created by Lauren Spohr and me. Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Our producers are Susanna Robertson and Libby Foster, our technical director is Rob Byers. Julian Alexander makes original illustrations for each episode of Criminal. You can see them at thisiscriminal.com, or on Facebook and Twitter at Criminal Show, and Instagram at criminal underscore podcast. Miles Hargrove used footage from the video diary he kept during the whole experience to make a documentary called Miracle Fishing, Kidnapped Abroad. Criminal is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Discover more great shows at podcast.voxmedia.com. I'm Phoebe Judge. This is Criminal.